Welcome to Sacrifice to Success Podcast. My name is David Weaver, and I am the owner of The Forgotten Heart Project. My mission is to help others create freedom in every aspect of their life. In this season of the podcast, we are talking life, business, and what makes you feel alive. We are speaking with business owners and entrepreneurs from all over, hearing about the sacrifices, the learnings, the twists, the turns, the ups and downs, and the successes that they have had in life and business. These are their stories. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sacrifice to Success. So today I have with me Henry Kurkowski. Welcome, Henry. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, let's just start off with tell us a little bit about yourself and your company. Okay. Um, well, um, I'm uh, uh, right now I'm uh, living in Indianapolis, kind of go back and forth between Indianapolis and Key West, but um, founded a Wi-Fi company back in 2002, eWireless. And this was back when um, Wi-Fi was not really a big thing. It was not ubiquitous like it is today. If you wanted Wi-Fi in your laptop, you had to slap a card into the side of your laptop. There were no smartphones that were Wi-Fi enabled. As a matter of fact, Starbucks didn't even have Wi-Fi at the time. And even when they started rolling out, it was a pay-for model, you know, pay-for-play kind of thing. Um, and so we, at the time, we were using Wi-Fi as a way to uh, increase tenant occupancy for commercial buildings because uh, DSL was just rolling out to tier two cities. So it was either, you know, for a small business, it was either dial up or have a T1 line, which could cost over $1,500 a month. And most small business couldn't do that. So what we did was yeah. we figured out a way to bring in a T1 line, then break it up wirelessly for an entire office building so that that place could be more rentable. They said, hey, you could have high-speed internet access at a fraction of the cost uh, in mm -hmm. our building, which made it a big differentiator for a building like, say, across the street that's competing for the same you know, small businesses. Um, and then we started uh, redeveloping it into a method of uh, marketing and touch points and communication tools so that when people logged in, if it was at a, an apartment complex, if it was in an office building or at a restaurant, they could connect them with information about the property, about the business, you know, connect them with specials. Um, if it was a tenant, then they could connect in, to a, a tenant portal where they can put in maintenance requests or see if there's something you know coming up soon. And then also connect them with the areas, what's going, what, what's available. Is there a cultural district? Is there a museum? What restaurants may be around there? So we created it as a way uh, of communication. It was one of the earliest forms of digital uh, marketing and digital communications with consumers and tenants. Uh, Very cool. Yeah, and, and we designed the entire company to be remote. So you know, even 20 years ago, we our company was distributed. Our you know, being based in here in Indianapolis, our servers were in New York, our call centers were in Iowa, our accounting teams in Orlando. So we started doing uh, remote way early on. Yeah. Okay. Man, bringing it way back, I like I forgot all about putting the card in for the wireless thing. Like, yeah, <laughs> so long ago it seems like, and now like my kids don't even know what it's like to have a screen that they can't just like touch and right, make it do right, stuff. Right. <laughs> okay, cool. So that was was that was your first company? Yeah, and I was did some spinoffs of that. Um, also have um, an online um, uh, gifts shop that is based based on 
uh, antiques and historical documents. So we're trying to keep uh, preserve history by you know showing the symbolism behind these uh, these uh, hard to find items and you know what what was the hit like you know for example there was a uh, glass paperweight that was uh, by an artist in the Midwest during the big uh, art glass movement of the 50s. So you know trying to preserve history at the same time and connect it through technology to people. Um, you know, and, and get them out there. And then you know, there's some other spinoff companies that we've had, um, but, you know, with digital marketing, with the Wi-Fi, uh, as, you know, creating more touch points, keeping people in with uh, opt-in, you know, marketing uh, tools, as well as letting them know what's available. So it's really, you know, kind of a all-encompassing thing over the Wi-Fi by using the customer's uh, own devices, their laptops, their smartphones and using that as a like a wi-fi billboard of sorts mm. okay cool yeah. awesome so um how did you i mean so is that and that's currently what you're doing now that like obviously you started way back when and it's evolved now or is it something different now it's it's uh, evolved into that and it's, it's it's staying that way but there are so many new touch points and you know, th that can be done with wi-fi um and digital marketing over you know a consumer's devices um, and right now, I'm also focusing on uh, my my book that came out uh, in 2021. It's uh, remote work technologies keeping your small business thriving from anywhere. And what I one of the reasons I, I wrote that book was during the shutdowns. There was so much news about companies that didn't you know they were not tooled to be remote. So a lot of the managers were struggling, which made the employees struggle. Burnout was, you know, skyrocketing. Zoom fatigue became a very real thing. So I wrote the book since we were, you know, pioneers in distributed offices and remote work. Um, some of the tips that I found to keep yourself more organized uh, and how to work with a team that's not right there in front of you, because so there's so many outdated managerial mindsets of kind of like, you know, you you picture the movie in the 60s where there was a secretarial pool, everybody's there, and then these men in suits in this glass box above them in the office, you know, seeing these people working, but at the same time, it's the employees knowing they're being watched and seen to be productive. And we, we I found interviewing all these business leaders from across the country for the book, that mindset is what promoted these feelings of isolation uh, increased mm -hmm. the rates of burnout, um, and it made people leave because, I mean, that's also what's powering the great resignation is a lack of aligned values and aligned goals between what the company wants to accomplish and what the uh, individual wants to accomplish with their career. And so, I mean, it's what, what I found is like those, those paths have to be together so they, they can all move forward together and grow together. Uh, and mm. it, it starts with leadership that is driven by empathy mm. um, that drives the success of the individuals the teams and then the company because you know if your employee is unhappy i mean they're the they're the best brand ambassador you could have you know so if they're mm. unhappy they're not going to be a great brand ambassador as a matter of fact it's going to show and i i use an example in the book of, you know, of like a bad company culture. And you, it's like a movie trope where somebody walks into a uh, supermarket and they see a guy in a, in a booth, you know, kind of flipping through magazine, kind of looking at the employees. There's a cashier who's lazily snapping her gum while she's, you know, checking out 
things on the scan are not really interacting with the customer and a kid with headphones, you know, just putting stuff on a shelf lazily. And no, that's a disengaged group of people. They don't care about the company. They're there for, uh, you know, a transactional relationship only. They want a paycheck and they're going to do the minimal job to do because they don't want to be there. In a healthy company culture, in a, in a healthy work environment, everybody wants to be there because they're working towards common goals. You know, they, they, they believe in what they're, the, the company that they are working for. They believe in the mission of the company. But more importantly, they know that when they're working towards these goals, they're also having managers and, and company leaders who are looking out for them to also build them professionally, get them new skill sets, help them grow as an individual and a professional. And that's what I found in the book, interviewing all, uh, all these people, because I, I asked them, if you had to do this different, and this again, this is during the shutdowns in the middle of it. If you had to do anything different, what would you do? And you know, they said, well, when the shutdowns happened, their first instinct was kind of like, hey, everyone's got to have their nose to the grindstone. Everyone's got to work as hard as they can until we get through and push through this crisis. That was the absolute wrong thing to do because all that did was make people overworked, felt more isolated, and felt like their home life and their work life was being smushed into one thing. They said if if they had to, had to do it over again, they would be more empathetic. They would be more observant of their people. Now, one one woman said, like, you know, she saw somebody who is normally very well kept, showered every day. You know, hair perv, you know, their desk always clean. And then slowly wearing the same clothes three days in a row, not really doing their hair, their their area is all cluttered. That's, you know, that's a person struggling. So yeah, we need to look at our people because they're, they're our best assets. It doesn't matter what you're selling, what you're producing, what services you offer, your people are your best assets. We take care of them. Everything else will take care of itself. So, you know, mm -hmm. make sure that they feel fulfilled in their job, that it's not just, um, you know, uh, a transactional relationship where they're punching a clock and, you know, they're, they're, it, where the work is being done is not as important as the quality of that work and the employee experience. That's what I found at the end of this. Yeah, mm, that's so interesting. Um, okay, so what did you find? What What is like, Practically, what are a couple things that I guess from both sides, I'm curious about both from like a managerial standpoint, how can they practically show empathy and like make that a practice and a part of the culture? And then uh, my follow up question would be, what would you say to an employee who feels like they understand this stuff and want to kind of bring this to their their company and culture, but they're not really sure how to go about that? Well, okay, so two things, and it is it may sound a little unempathetic for me to say this, but <laughs> and which is yeah, ironic. One, hire the right people, and two, work for the right company. So first off, have very defined values in your company culture. Have a very defined mission statement. Because it's it's like, you know, in, in Zappos. It, it, their mission statement was to have great shoes on people at affordable prices, not just sell as many shoes. You know, so define what your company, you know, what problem are you solving? What are you doing for your community? Your company does put those values and express them throughout your company. And it doesn't matter if you're talking to an employee, a vendor, if you're you know talking to you know a, a potential customer, 
those values should be in every email, every, every phone call, everything that you do. What are our core values? Define them explicitly and then make sure that those are projected every, every communication and every interaction with regardless of who it is. As an employee, check the mission statements, check what their company core values are and speak with other people. Because that's the thing. Again, people are the best brand ambassadors. In healthy company cultures, they encourage people to reach out and say, hey, if you know somebody who's, who's great talent, would be a great hire, would be a great fit for a company, bring them in. And, you know, in a healthy company culture, they will say, you got to come, you got to come work for this company. We, you know, these people are, they care about us. They care about where we go professionally. They keep training us in new skills. You know, in a, in a bad company culture, they're like, dude, if I could find another job, I would, you do not want to work here, you know? So that, those are the things. So if you're an employee, make sure you're working for the right company. So then that these people are there with the same values that you hold and, you know, and find out, you know, do research because you'll see people tweeting about it, employees tweet, you know, tweeting about it, going on social media, talking about the company. And if they, we love it here and, you know, all those things that that's what you go. Cause like, especially with the younger generations, millennials and, and generation Z and the studies I've, I've uh, put in the book, they would actually take a lower salary and work for a company that they have that sh- they shares their same values than work for a company for a lot more money that they know that they they don't agree with their values at all. So those those are the real key things. And then as as a leader, solicit feedback. Don't just wait for the quarterly you know check in or the semi annual or annual employee reports you know to check in with them constantly solicit feedback, but more importantly than that, act on that feedback. If if they if there are rooms for improvement that you're being given you know, options to, like when a project finished, ask everybody, what could we have done better? What could have sped things up? You know, what would have made uh, what we produced at the end more valuable to our clients? Listen to that feedback and act on it. Don't be so rigid in the way you've set things up that you're inflexible on listening and acting on suggestions from your team because they're the ones actually doing the work you know so they know they're they're the ones in the trenches getting it and they have to work with each other so if, they, if it's more communication better communication do it you know if it's if it's putting things online um, in a digital first mindset so that everybody is more access to all those records do that um, and like I said just don't it's but if you solicit the feedback, you have to act on it because it's it's no good having knowledge that is not actually used. Um, and yeah. as far as, you know, from an employee standpoint, look for mentorship, ask for mentorship. Because like a lot of younger people, they don't want to just have the you know physical and technological skill sets. They need to know how to network. They need to know how to build business relationships. And it's very difficult for somebody, you know, for their peers, their own age to know how to do that. But a more seasoned individual at the same company could do some mentorship and say, hey, listen, you know, take them to a business meeting at the Chamber of Commerce at, you know, this association or whatever they may have so that they can meet more people and learn how to mingle in a professional way and build out your network. Because like I, I, I all the interns that we have here, you know, as they go off and graduate from college and go off to wherever they're going to go, I always tell them the first, like, build a fantastic network of individuals from en- from all walks of life, because eventually you're going to um, know somebody who needs this kind of service or needs this kind of person, and you can bring them together. Because 
networking at that level is more about serving others than, Mm -hmm. you know, getting something back for yourself. Yeah. And it's so fun when you make that connection, when you're like, oh man, you guys need to meet. And then it works out well and it's mutually beneficial. It's so fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it makes, you know, because then they remember you too. So, I mean, it it comes back to you because they remember like, how did you guys meet? Oh, from Dave, you know, and you know, all these great things happen. And that, I mean, and I'm a big believer in synchronicity and, you know, what you put out comes back to you. So if you do it in an unselfish manner, just the act of helping others ends up coming back and helping you as well. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So, uh, something that I've always said and thought, and I'm curious what you think about this is that if, uh, you're in a leadership position within the company and you actually ask like, even if their values maybe don't align totally right with the company versus personal, but you ask uh, an individual, Hey, like, what are your personal goals? Like, what do you really want to accomplish and achieve? Um, and, and if they tell you, and then you can connect that to how that you working at their company is helping them. And then you ask them about that periodically. Um, I've always thought that that's such a good way into creating amazing culture because a, it's showing that you care, you actually care. Like, why are you working at this job? Like, what do you want to do this for? Um, and I'm just curious if any of that got was in the conversation with the interviews that you did and talking to all those people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it was because, you know, that and that's something you should ask every once in a while. And like there you should want as a company leader, be accessible to everybody that works for the company. You know, there shouldn't be, hey, you know, you should be speaking to your manager about that. Not me, because, you know, you're, you might be the CEO. That's bullshit. You should be every level of leadership should be accessible to anybody in the company. Um, and yeah, they should have aligned goals and think, hey, how could we be, uh, how can we get this person there? Because again, the people are your best assets. And you know, you may be creating, you know, thinking about creating a new division that they're not aware of. And uh, hey, this person is looking for that. And you know, you want to make sure that those goals are aligned because otherwise you have people who are just kind of looking out for themselves in the company. Uh, they mm-hmm. don't have the, the aligned goals. And then they're playing a solo game, but it's a team sport, you know, and that's what mm-hmm. you want to avoid. You want to make sure you've got everybody's there, uh, you know, uh, with the same goals in mind, moving forward with the company mission. And that's why I said, you know, it may sound unempathetic, but hire the right people. And if somebody's not right for the company, they should go because that kind of poison will drip through a company culture real fast and any new hire, it will drip into them and start tainting their outlook and tainting a lot of other people. So you got to make sure you got the right people with you. And if they're not the right fit, you know, they got to go. And same thing the other way around. If it's not the right fit for your your values and your your personal values, then you should go find another company. And that, again, that's what we're seeing with a lot of, you know, the great resignation, especially after there was a lot of trust that was built when they were in the office. And then when we had to all go distributed, that trust eroded because these old managerial mindsets of like of having to see work being done, of having to see butts and seats from you know nine nine to, to five. And then they started doing employee monitoring, and in some cases, employee surveillance, where you know they and and which you know they said, hey, if your your keyboard's not clicking, you're not working. So you know they were ways around. They were selling things that would move the mouse around. To make it look like they're working just so they can go to the bathroom longer. I mean, it's right. Yeah. There's reports of this all over the place. 
And at that point, it's adversarial because now you're trying to trick your manager in order to do your job and have some, you know, have some low stress moments. So at that point, it's a purely transactional relationship, which who wants to have? I mean, like you wouldn't want that with a, a family member or, or a romantic partner, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever. You wouldn't want it to be tit for tat. I mean, that, that's not mm-hmm. healthy for anybody. So, you know, when these uh, the, the, they saw that, you know, in the office, they were fine, or so they thought, but then when they moved to remote, that they were being monitored all the time, well, that said, hey, that trust is gone, or was it even really there to begin with? So that's the thing. So, you know, make sure you're working for a company that, that you, that, that knows your value, and that, you know, will value you as a individual and as a professional. So if, if, if you're, if the, an employee is not right fit for your company, they should go. If this company is not right fit for you, you should go. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Um, awesome. So let's shift gears just a little bit here. Um, you've been an entrepreneur for a long time. How many years have you been an entrepreneur? Man, I started when I was 23. I, had, I was working as a bartender for uh, some people in uh, New York that owned five nightclubs. They had one that was doing real crappy on Sunday. And I said, hey, let me, let me have it on Sundays. Let me show you what I can do. Um, we, they went from having just like 20 people in the bar to 300 and 500 and 800. RuPaul just came out with her song, You Better Work, hired her to come out. She was her only Long Island performance place was people drove from Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens to come see her perform. Um, and so, you know, I started off at 23 and that working in the nightclub business and, 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 uh, booking acts and doing the marketing that taught me so much about looking at the crowd. What okay? Our numbers are down. Why are our numbers down? You know, our numbers are down at the bar. Why are our numbers down at the bar? We're getting fewer people in here. What's going on? Is it competition? You know, so constantly tweaking, paying attention. So it was marketing, it was promoting. It was touch points with people, speaking to the customers, what they wanted. So I started then and kind of ballooned out from there. You know, I had a, a soap company in, in Fort Lauderdale called the uh, Lauderdale Lather Company that made. Um, all natural essential oil hand cut soaps that was sold in uh, local spas and boutiques. Um, so I've been doing it for you know since I'm about 23. Nice. And now I'm okay. now I'm 50 something. So <laughs> I love it. Okay, awesome. So in that you know 25 years plus of of being an entrepreneur, what what's like a a challenge that sticks out for you? that you you went through and um you know the lesson that you gleaned from that experience oh man you know the the biggest challenge is when things get rough um imposter syndrome and self-doubt man because you know Mm. you that that you know you gotta go back and why am i doing this see nobody nobody opens up a restaurant to say hey i'm gonna open up this restaurant and then flip it and sell it you know get it going they you know most people who start a, a business or, or any kind of company like they're solving a problem i want to have the best you know this this neighborhood doesn't have any good decent food or, or or family pricing i'm gonna have the best family style restaurant in in this neighborhood that's that's the goal so when you have hiccups you know, go back to that goal of what really started you on that journey. What what was your heart saying about why I'm starting this? Who, what problem am I solving? Who am I helping? And so in that self-doubt, go back to th- those things that you accomplished to, to make those goals happen. 
and get, you know, get back to that. So you, it's always going back to your fundamentals and, 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 and finding your strength there to when you have those hiccups, when you have those hard weeks, those hard months, going back, gathering your strength and going forward again, because it's so easy, you know, if somebody puts doubt in your mind to believe them. So believing in yourself and who you're helping and always do it for a higher purpose. I find, you know, it's not, it's not about me. It's not about making the money. I mean, you need the money. Yes, but that's a side effect of what you're doing. Your goal is to whatever it is, the problem you're trying to solve or those people you're trying to serve. That is where you go. And you, you, if you stay true to those goals, success will find you. Yeah. And it, and it makes it even not necessarily easier to go through the the challenge, but you you will go through it. You'll you'll stay persistent. If it's just like oh, I'm just making money and doing this for fun, then you know there's not really that like purpose anchor to hold you there to to go through whatever comes at you. Right, right. Uh, yeah, higher purpose always will will drive you and take you farther than just chasing a buck because you will always end up chasing a dollar if if all it is is about money. And then you'll screw people. You'll end up screwing people along the way to to make that extra buck. You know, so, but if you have a higher purpose in your mind, you'll make the money. The money will come. The success will come. You know, just go for that higher purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Okay. And so, and also since you've been an entrepreneur for, for so long, how have you maybe successfully or not <laughs> um, navigated the professional personal and like, go, how fluid is that for you? What does that look like for you? What, what have you learned in that kind of category? Well, and then that's, it's interesting because, you know, I had always, you know, I, we have a family home in Key West. So we spent a lot of time there, uh, you know, going back and forth between here and there, uh, here and there, but, you know, being fully remote, it was hard for me to not work, you know, and, you know, I come from, you know, my, my, my father's first generation American Polish and my mother's from the Philippines and both very hardworking people. And in my household, even as a teen, if you didn't have two jobs, you were a bum, you know? So it's like, <laughs> you always had to be working, you know, self-worth was, was tied to work. So mm. I was always working and, and didn't really have a healthy work-life balance. But as I got older, I learned how to say, hey, no, this is why I hired people to take care of that problem, you know, and, and, and learn to say, not only ask for help, but to assign things to other people that would allow me to have more of my free time. And I encourage it in other people too. That's another thing I found in the book is that the, 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 the most successful people during the shutdowns were those who encouraged a healthy work and life balance and say, Hey, listen, after six o'clock or after seven o'clock, that's it. You know, cause you know, people may be working on different coasts, you know, but you know, I don't want you doing any more emails after, you know, X amount of time, go shut off, turn off your screen. I don't want to see you online. You know, I don't want to see you in a Slack mm-hmm. channel. I don't want to see you working. Go take some time for yourself because that's really, you don't want to work. Like I said, in growing up in my household, it was the opposite. You, if you weren't working, you know, they associated being a good person with being a hardworking person. And there's this mm-hmm. cultural mindset that like always grinding. You know, if you're not grinding, you're you're dying. You know, you know, like that. That is so unhealthy. That is so you know because like, mm-hmm. what are you working for? You're working to get to a point where you have freedom. You have the ability to have as much freedom as you want now, and that's really. I don't. I judge the success of a person by the freedom that they have, 
not by the amount of money that they have or the amount of companies they have or the amount of employees in their company. If you, I think success is having the freedom to do what you want when you want to do it. Um, and I encourage that, you know, with our teams as well, you know, hey, if you need the day off, you know, for mental health, fine, go do it. You know, as long as the projects are getting done and getting done on our deadlines, I don't care where you work or, or how much time you take off. It doesn't matter. Uh, so I, I've learned to do that for myself, too. And it was the hardest lesson because, you know, doing telling people this is the best thing for you to do than doing it yourself. It's giving yourself permission to do it, giving yourself yeah, permission yeah. to relax, giving yourself permission and, and not feel like you're being lazy. And it's a hard thing to do when you're brought up in two different cultures family cultures and a family that says, Hey, well, he, he's not working. You know, you know, what he's taking two weeks off. Are you kidding me? Who, who does he think he is? You know, um, <laughs> you know, and it, it's, it's, it's something you have to learn to give yourself permission to do uh, is, is take time off and not feel guilty about it because, you know, if you're not at your best, you can't serve the rest of your company. You can't lead your company because that burnout quickly will come out in communications, being short with people, you know, being, you know, being unkind to people. It will quickly come out. So make the time for yourself to be healthy and be whole so that you can do the best that you can for everybody else and your company. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think that the fact that you've kind of worked through that is, is awesome because like, like you said, when you come from a culture in your family where that is, the opposite of kind of what you're you're doing, I think that just makes it, you know, infinitely more challenging. So I'm curious, and I bet other people too, like, okay, I get it, Henry, that makes sense. I like intellectually, I understand that. How did you like practically for yourself unwind that years of like conditioning that you had? Constant reminders, because there's still times when like I am laying in bed and we'll think, oh man, I should really be doing this. And then I like, feel, feel like, you know, know that I'm tired. Like then I got, you know what? I, I have to remind myself if I'm not well rested, I can't do, do help for it. And, you know, my, my spouse going through um, battling acute myeloid leukemia is one of the things that taught me that because everyone's like, well, if you're doing all this care for somebody else, are you taking the time to take care of yourself? Because if you get burnt out, Who's going to help them? If mm -hmm. I'm not taking care of myself, who's going to be there for them? So that that's yeah. a real wake up call. You know, if if yeah. some if I let myself get so burnt out, so out of sorts that I can't do what I set myself out to to help others, then I'm then I've become worthless. So it's not. I learned that it's not selfish for self care. It's necessary. It's, it's needed so that you can do what you want, what you wanted to do to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking my language. I love it. Okay. One more question for you. Yeah. What makes you feel fully alive? Oh man. Um, being outside, uh, cracking jokes, making people laugh and just seeing the smiles on other people's faces, you know, uh, just, just going out there and help helping people, you know, Honestly, it's uh, seeing that, you know, planting little seeds with some people that I that we've helped and seeing them blossom. Because uh, in, in the past 10 years, we've had some people move into our house that were they were in a situation where they were homeless or they were in a small town where there was no 
job availability there and we brought them into our home, got them closed so they can get on the right interviews, help them get jobs. And man, within eight months, they were making enough money to get a car loan a uh, year after, you know, within a year, get their own apartments, seeing pe- people blossom because it's like, I, I don't think you can change the world. Not all at once with big sweeping change. You can change the world one person at a time though. And seeing those other people blossom, I know that they're going to help other people along the way. And that creates a chain reaction. That's, that's what makes me feel alive. Seeing that chain reaction keep going and, and, and people doing those things for other people. Mm, I love it, man. Yeah. We're like very much on the same page. I say similar things. <laughs> That's so cool. All right. Awesome. Well, um, where can people find out more info information about you find out, grab a copy of your book. Okay, um, on Twitter and on Instagram, um, it's, uh, at Henry Indy, I N D Y H R H E N R Y I N D Y on Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, my book is the remote workbook. I'm sorry remote work technologies. It's on Amazon, every major reseller. Uh, TheRemoteWorkbook.com is the website for it, but uh, you can find it pretty much anywhere. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today and share your story. I really appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate you having me and, and inviting me on. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Sacrifice to Success podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please check out the link in the show notes and you can find all of the details there. If you got something out of this interview, would you please take a moment to share on social media? You can just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to somebody or post it on the socials. Let's see if we can change the narrative of social media and post valuable, positive content. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and they mean a lot to me. If you'd like to know more, go to my website, davidweavercoach.com or you can follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Those links are also in the show notes and I do also have a free training on my website as well. So thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time.